This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Kevin Preston, Vice President and Chief Learning Officer at Presbyterian Healthcare Services. Kevin, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Now, I know we've got a lot to talk about and certainly excited to learn more about what you're doing with talent development at Presbyterian. I know that's top of mind for so many health systems right now and definitely will be a great topic for us to discuss today. But before we dive into those questions, can you tell me a little bit more about yourself and your background? Yeah, um, I uh, am at uh, Presbyterian in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and uh, I am really focused on learning here. My background has always been in learning. Uh, I've always loved the learning field. I my, I remember my very first job, my first real job. I went to a training class, and I was in the class. It was a software company, and I was learning how to use the, the technology. And the person teaching the class, I thought, had the coolest job ever. And from that moment on, I was like, that's the job that I want. I want to I want to be involved in corporate teaching. I never even thought that that was a thing, but it was. And so I've always had a focus on that. And I've always uh, been working in a space of uh, teaching other people, designing education, consulting, uh, doing performance consulting and organizational development and developing leaders and thinking about talent management and succession planning and all of those things. So I've, I've done all of those things, and I've been doing those in healthcare for the last 20-plus years. That's amazing to hear. And, you know, healthcare is an industry that certainly needs a, a lot of that, and um, it's, exciting to, it's an exciting time to have that as your focus. Now, could you tell me about the talent development program that you have at Presbyterian? What makes it unique? Yeah, I think one thing that's really unique here is that it's really comprehensive. So when we think about learning and talent at Presbyterian, we think of it in all aspects of that talent. So we have uh, an organizational development team who really focuses on things like change management and consulting on major initiatives, thinking about the people side of change, uh, which is really you know something that sometimes we don't always do so well. And we also have a leadership development team that uh, focuses on developing leaders of the future, uh, thinking about the talent uh, succession planning sort of things. And then we have a lot of other kind of more technical sort of education here. We've got um, you know, education and training on job skill areas like clinical education or the electronic health record. We use Epic, so we have a team that does Epic uh, education. We have a team that does call center uh, training. And so they do all of this work and really their job is to build proficiency, you know, and, and our, our focus is you know, getting people up to speed really, really quickly and, uh, you know, making them competent and confident in what they're doing and making them feel like they're a part of this organization that they uh, that they really fit in. And, you know, the cool thing about our learning teams is that they are involved in just about every initiative in the organization. And, you know, when I talked about that people side of change, they're involved in things like uh, we're opening Medicare Advantage clinics that are really focused on providing specialized community services to our Medicare Advantage patients. And from a talent learning perspective, we're looking at stuff like that 
from a change management area. You know, who's impacted? How does that work change within the organization? Uh, how do we build the skills needed to be successful? How do we ensure that everybody's on the same page to accomplish those sort of those sort of initiatives? And you know, we do all kinds of things like that. We also uh, have been working on uh, a transition to have more uh, medical assistance in our clinics. And so, thinking about how do we how do we think about that? Not only from the change perspective, but from a clinical practice perspective and a learning perspective. How do we help people build these skill sets and know what they should be doing in their role? Um, that that really goes back to that competence and confidence concept. I love that. And, you know, certainly big questions in, in trying to figure out how to manage this change and how to transform healthcare in a way that's going to be so much more beneficial for the community and caregivers as well. And then to your point too, leveraging technology in, in a way that makes sense um, is, is certainly a big initiative, I know, for a lot of organizations, but can be scary as well. When you look at that change management side of things and, um, you know, take that into consideration, what's the most important thing that you typically teach your leaders and, and team members um, about change management, about, you know, uh, making sure they have the skills to succeed in the future in a time when certainly transformation isn't going to slow down? Yeah, you know, it's funny when we talk about change management, I think sometimes change management can feel to people like a very academic sort of activity. Um, and you know, I think they shy away from it because like, I don't have time to think about the change aspect. Um, and our position is, well, if you don't think about it now, you're going to really want to think about it later. Like it's going to cause you a lot of problems if you don't really stop and think about what kind of change are you really implementing here and how does it change people's lives? And we often tell people it doesn't have to be that complicated. Even if you do some change management, you're still going to be better off than doing no change management. In fact, we just had a bunch of our senior leaders get together this week, and we uh, walked them through some of the change management tool. We have a whole model, but we said, let's just talk about stakeholder analysis, that one tiny thing, right? And we did it in less than five minutes, where we had people in groups work through a stakeholder analysis. And really just thinking about who is impacted by the change that I'm, that I'm uh, working with in my team and how are they going to react to that change and what am I going to do to help them transition through what we're asking? That's it. Like, it doesn't have to be complicated. We can make it simple. I love that. Thank you so much for taking us through that mindset and, and that great example. Now, how have you seen talent development change in the last two years or so? What new initiatives have worked and what have you pivoted away from? Yeah, you know, it was it's interesting because Presbyterian uh, was historically a very in-person place, incredibly in-person. Everything was in-person. We're a regional healthcare system, and so our furthest uh, furthest facility is, you know, three, four hours uh, from the central office. And, you know, so everything was in person. And when the pandemic hit, it immediately changed that. And the learning function had historically been very in person and very quickly pivoted to a more virtual. And in today's world, 
a hybrid approach. So we still do a lot of things virtual, uh, but we also do have some in-person things as well. But that was a major change uh, for how we onboarded people, how we taught them what they needed to know to do their job. And, you know, I think the other thing that we've really changed over the last few years is that we have limited time with people. Uh, and so there's always this push of, we'll spend less time educating people on how to do their jobs. We have to be quick, but we also need to be really thorough and help people build the skills they need to do their job well, do it safely. And, and so we've had to think about how do we get people to a level of proficiency more quickly? So one of the things that we're really excited about, we're really working on is a simulation center. We're building a brand new simulation center. It's called the Healthcare Advanced Learning Lab, or we call it the Hall. And it is a simulation center that mirrors the actual work environment of our clinicians. There's uh, patient rooms in the simulation center. There uh, is an emergency department. There uh, is an infusion uh, room. There's there's all these different rooms that mirror the real life. There's even an apartment because uh, Presbyterian also has an ambulance company. And so where what is the where's the work environment for an ambulance, an EMT or paramedic? It's oftentimes in someone's home, right? So we have a an apartment built in a simulation center, and what this enables us to do is to educate people in a real life environment that mimics exactly what their work environment looks like so that we can train them on things that are really difficult. And we often think about things that are high acuity, low occurrence, right? What, what are those things that you don't see that often? And boy, it sure is nice to be able to learn about those things you don't see that often when you're in a safe learning environment not when a patient's actually in front of you, right? The first time you, uh, you see someone with sepsis, it's great for that to be in a simulated environment, not in front of a real patient, because th that's the time when you can learn, you can make mistakes, and, and that's why we have these simulations where we can run a simulation, we have really high-fidelity, high-tech mannequins that talk and their eyes dilate and you can do all kinds of things with them and then you have an instructor running a simulation behind a piece of one-way glass and the whole thing's recorded so that immediately after you have gone through the simulation you can uh, debrief it you can watch a video of exactly what you did and what you didn't do and boy did you notice you didn't you didn't say something when when this thing over here happened or you know why didn't you call this out or why didn't you notice that those are the perfect types of learning environments that really help us with this new need to train people faster we don't it doesn't take as long to do a simulation as it does to read a book about something yeah, I, I think that definitely makes a lot of sense. And it's really cool to be able to leverage that technology and that experience um, in order to, you know, be in that environment where you can try things out almost realistically, um, but then learn from mistakes. And, and so when you're having patients in real life, you're much more confident, it seems like, um, in how to handle different situations. And um, ideally, as you mentioned, becomes less stressful and in um, better outcomes as a result. Now, I'm wondering what challenges do you anticipate over the next few years? 
Well, one of our biggest challenges is really around the talent pipeline. Um, you know, in New Mexico, we uh, we have a shortage of talent, just like any any other state. Um, and we really need to get young people excited about careers in healthcare. So workforce development is a major initiative for us. Our turnover at the beginning of the pandemic was exceptionally low, the lowest it's ever been. Um, and then as the pandemic wore on a few years in, it was the highest it ever had been, right? So we had a lot of people leaving the workforce, a lot of clinicians leaving the workforce. And people were tired and, uh, you know, careers in healthcare lost some of the luster that they used to have. Um, it was a scary place to work. And now we want to get people re-energized about careers in healthcare and help uh, go into schools, even primary schools, uh, and get really young kids excited about careers in healthcare. And so we go to a lot of schools, uh, we talk to people about careers in healthcare, and we help them understand that you don't have to just be a doctor or a nurse. There's all kinds of jobs in healthcare. Uh, there's all kinds of allied health jobs. Uh, there are non-clinical jobs. You know, you want to be an accountant, you want to work in IT, uh, you want to be a mechanic, we have mechanics that run uh, work on the ambulances. Uh, you want to, you know, a hospital is like a city, right? There's every job in the world is there. So how can we get people excited about these jobs and partner with schools uh, so that we can get programs that fill the jobs that are most important to us? And how do we help people afford it? You know, New Mexico uh, has a different economy from many other places. And so uh, one of the things that we're really excited about from a workforce development perspective is enabling young people who are in New Mexico have careers where they can stay here and they don't have to leave New Mexico to go find lucrative work. They can be here and we can keep the great New Mexicans right here in the state, which also helps us on our diversity journey because we have lots of stuff um, happening in, you know, creating this culture of belonging. And uh, New Mexico is a very diverse state. And let's keep let's keep these people uh, here uh, working at Presbyterian, having all kinds of really great, great, great uh, opportunities. That's such a good point. And, you know, I love that um, ability to focus on the talent pipeline and really see where you can um, play on your strengths and um, connect and, and become more diverse as well. Before we wrap up here, where do you see some of the best opportunities for leadership and talent development and growth in the future? Well, I really think it's in that talent pipeline space we were just talking about, getting people interested in healthcare careers, developing their skills, and their talents once they're here, and then really helping them to afford it. You know, sometimes sometimes it's expensive to uh, get the certifications and the education you need to fill some of our some of our roles. And let's help people afford those those uh, experiences. It helps bring their life to a better place, and it helps us fill um, skill set that we need. So that affordability, I think, is a really big thing for us, a big opportunity for us to help people through. And also thinking about how we retain that great talent. So 
So once people are here, how do we make sure they stay here? Uh, how do we ensure that there's continued high engagement and that people feel like they belong to something bigger, uh, that they have a call to purpose? And that's one, one reason that people want to work in healthcare, right? They want to make a difference. So how do we make sure that they feel that engagement level and that they want to stay here? And how can we be more flexible in keeping them in the workforce longer? And maybe even give people more opportunities to work at different capacities. Maybe they work less hours. Maybe we're more flexible in our scheduling. You know, healthcare has historically been very rigid about things like uh, shifts, right? I mean, the, the typical nursing shift is a 12-hour shift. And sometimes that works great for people, and sometimes it doesn't. Can we be more flexible in some of those areas? Um, and so I really think that that is a huge opportunity for us, you know, getting the talent in the pipeline and then helping them stay here. I love it. Kevin, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been such a fun and fascinating conversation, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Yeah, thank you. It was fun to talk about it.